Welcome to the Barack Obama Approved World's Greatest Podcast. Hyphen Nation, your dashing, daring, debonair host, Kellen Conley. And this episode is actually something that was recorded for another podcast from Hyphen Podcast Group. Oh, by the way, Hyphen Podcast Group, a Morgantown, West Virginia-based podcast collective bringing great podcasts to the people, hyphenpodcastgroup.com bringing you hyphen nation and mark rob written by my semi-regular co-host who's actually on this episode marcus show mad love robinson that's uh the m-a-r-c-r-o-b.wordpress.com it's a blog written by marcus lots of great content on there lots of music content which we're talking about today so definitely go check him out again that's uh the m-a-r-c-r-o-b.wordpress.com yeah anyway on august 16th in the lead up to Isla Pal 100, it's like a podcast or whatever, um, done by Handsome Bane, Eric Greenlee. He was, uh, Isla Pal was the third show to become part of the Hyphen Podcast group family because Hyphen Nation was naturally first. <laughs> and then Browns in Our Blood came second uh, with Anthony and Eric. And then Isla Pal became our first year round show. And it has not let up one bit. Season five is rolling. Have an excellent episode out right now with uh, Franny of In True Franny Fashion. 20-ish questions starring a whole bunch of people. Uh, Kit Caccinetti, K.M. Patton, uh, Franny, like I said, Bane's on there. And then also a gentleman named Casino, I believe is what he goes by. Uh, he's on there as well, so make sure you check that out. That's available right now wherever podcasts are sold. But he asked me and Marcus to get together and talk about uh, debate between um, because Internet by Childish Gambino, which came out in 2013, and Kendrick Lamar's Good Kid, Bad City, which came out in late 2012. Now, to be perfectly honest, there's not a debate. <laughs> Good Kid's a better album. So what Marcus had us do, because the Thought Father is always working, Marcus had us pick five of our favorite moments from each album, depending on, and it could be from any direction, as long as they were directly related to the album. And Marcus went more along the lines of moments from uh, the album that really sparked him. And I went more along the lines of, uh, while I mentioned some music, I went along the lines of the whole idea of the persona of the boy that Childish Gambino took on in the screenplay. And I brought in so many different things. Like Tabanga was mentioned. Abella Anderson was mentioned. Uh, Actually, the Isla Powell episode was named Abella Anderson. And... um, I, th- I think whenever I look for, um, look at the stats for Isla Pal, like on iTunes or something like that, I think that's one of the more popular episodes, probably for the wrong reasons, which is funny, clapping for the wrong reasons. But yeah, back in August, me and Marcus sat and did our long form thing, talked about uh, these two albums by two great artists. And so I'm giving you that today for episode 135. And I got some things in the works, you know. Me and Marcus are going to have to get together real soon. In real life, he actually wants me to call him today. Um, <laughs> have not been able to do that yet. Got laundry to do, but I'm I'm working on it. Uh, but he wants to get together. We're going to do the numbers on the board episode, um, which we always do at the end of the year. That's going to be in December. And then also, he wants to do the best music of 2000 to 2009. So that's there. And he also said something about wanting to do a best um, 
what is it? Oh, he wanted to do a sports decade episode since the decade's ending. And he's trying to get Gerbo on here, which is easy. He's been on before. He's been on twice now. And then he wanted me to see if I could get Bobby Stamps from the stamp of approval with Bobby Stamps on as well. Kind of talk about some of the biggest sports moments of the past 10 years. So we shall see. But uh, me and the Thought Father get together real soon. Um like we always do at this time, but yeah, me and Marcus just sat back and uh, there's some audio clips in here and just kind of like a la Hip Hop Manifesto. If you ever have checked out that podcast, if you haven't, there is 13 episodes, I believe, from a few years ago where me and my friend, my best friend, uh, Matthew Spencer, talked about some things uh, from time to time about things going on in hip hop and it was a really good time. So if you want to go back and check that out, you can, but the format is very similar to Hip Hop Manifesto. And we just had a good old time. So shout out to uh, Handsome Bane for having us on to do It's Like a Podcast, whatever. Make sure you're checking them out at all times. Happy to be part of the Alapal family. Hashtag Alapal family. And uh, happy to steal this episode for the hyphenation feed because <laughs> y'all haven't heard it. Um, if you have, listen to it again. Nothing has changed other than the fact that I put the ads in different places and that's it. So yeah, um, without further ado, man, uh, you can reach out to us the normal ways, be hyphen at gmail.com, B-H-Y-P-H-E-N at be hyphen on Twitter, the be hyphen on Instagram and hyphen universe on Facebook, hyphen nation, whoops, hyphen podcast group on Facebook, hyphen podcast group on Instagram, hyphen pod group on Twitter, hyphen podcast group at gmail.com. Uh, find us wherever podcasts are podcasted or sold. If uh, you can't find Hyphenation on your favorite podcast listen po- platform, let me know. Or any of the other great shows from Hyphen Podcast Group, I can fix that for you ASAP. Real easy. Real easy to do. And then um, make sure that you're rating, reviewing, and subscribing. And uh, tell a friend and tell a friend that it's them again. And uh, yeah, talk about us at the water cooler. I'm going to stop running my mouth, though, because this isn't the true end of the show. I'm going to let y'all get into it. Thanks, y'all. Enjoy. What up, beloved ones? It is not I, Handsome Bane. It is, it is your us. boy. It is us. That's right. It is your boy, Kellen Conley. And also your other boy, Marcus, showing mad love, Robinson. Chia, what's up? What up, big dog? Ooh. <laughs> and see, what had happened was Handsome Bane said, I'm almost 100 episodes. I'm going to do as little work as possible so because he said that he said reach out to certain people was like hey can you guys do an episode can you guys do an episode can you guys do an episode so of course he came to the host of the world's greatest podcast barack obama proof hyphen nation and my semi-regular co-host marcus show and mad love robinson we've both been on the show before on alapal before it's like a podcast whatever 
But he came to us and gave us an idea. And he said, pick five songs from Good Kid Mad City, 2012's debut major label album by Kendrick Lamar versus 2013's Because of Internet by Childish Gambino. Pick five songs from each and then make your case for why, which album is better. Well, Marcus and I don't really work that well when we're putting the structure. So Marcus came back with, we should do our favorite five moments from each album and then kind of let everybody decide who is right or who is wrong about what is the better album and what the better project is from our opinions. So we're going to get right into it. So Marcus, I'm going to let you take it away because you will be defending Mr. Lamar's, Mr. Duckworth's Good Kid, Mad City. So the court is yours, sir. All right. So, and yeah, just to go back a little bit, I did think talking about the moments would be better than just doing the songs, particularly because, especially for Good Kid, Mad City, you know, like this album has, this album is pretty dense, but at the same time, like, there are special parts of this album that if you had like this, if you throw in the album, you're waiting for like this album, like this part of the album. It's like, it's sort of like the rewatchables uh, podcast where it's like you have a movie on and if it's at on at this certain particular point, like you're going to stop whatever you're doing to, to finish watching a movie. But a good kid, Mad City comes on and it's on your shuffle and all of a sudden, you hear if Pyrus and Crips all got along, like you, you're, <laughs> you're you're ready to turn the fuck up, right? You're gonna spike, yeah. your, you're gonna spike your energy, like you're gonna if you're in your car, you're gonna turn it all the way up. And so, I thought talking about those moments would be, you know, a bit more interesting than just doing like you know top five songs. So, all right, so just a little bit of history with my relationship to Good Kid, Mad City, like. This album in 2012 that I was definitely in love with. Um, I went back to my Tumblr, which anyone who, if they still have a Tumblr and they look back, is definitely like a journal for introverts <laughs> and introverts and people who like art. So for me, though, I went back to like my post from like 2012 and I was definitely writing how like Good Kid Massive was my favorite album of 2012 and how certain parts of this album were like my favorite, like parts of music in 2012 so you know i definitely have, have always loved this album uh, a little fact about this album it dropped officially october the 22nd on november the 2nd kendrick performed at wvu which is uh West Virginia university where i and uh went to school and i believe it's his first or second performance after good kid mad city dropped and so this is an album that people were still getting used to. Mm -hmm. And I saw him a year later when he was at Fall, Fall Fest, Fest. And that's when, when I saw him. When everyone knew the record. Everyone lived with it. So seeing him perform it super early and then super late in the process of the album, it was it was interesting to see, you know, both of those sorts of like bookends. Like right. I, even because when he came to perform at WVU on November the second, he actually shouted out one of my friends. <laughs> Shout out to Tehran. Like he, like he shouted out. He said, and I forgot this. I wrote this on my Tumblr. He said, "I see you, boy, with the mad energy. I like that." 
like he shouted my man out. That's what's up. Yeah, like that was that. What was that like? That was that was like really dope. That's and, crazy. Yeah, man. Because like I said, like this is like this is only like the twenty second and November the second. Like those, like it's ten days apart, like 10, 11 days apart. And so people haven't really lived with the album yet. It's not like this sort of cultural staple. It's not like this phenomenon yet. It's like super early in the process. My friend right. Teron, like he was wilding the fuck out, and so <laughs> and so I still even remember parts of the performance where I didn't even know the words is like some of the songs he was doing. Like that's how early the shit was in the process of the album coming out. So so yeah, man, like that's my history with it. And so I wanted, like I said, like for my top five moments, I want to go from from five to one. So. Okay. Number one being like the best moment of the album, and number five being the fifth, the fifth best moment of the album. Okay. So I'm gonna start and I'm gonna start in the Captain Obvious spot for number five. Before you do, before you do, I want to slide this in here. Do you remember that I listened to Good Kid, Mad City, and I didn't get it, and I yes. tweeted such as such that I was like, I don't understand this. Why everybody's making such a big deal about this? And then you started tweeting at me. We had like maybe a 10 tweet conversation that eventually ended with you saying the whole album is a story. You need to go back and listen to it again. <laughs> Cause I don't know yes. what the hell you were doing. Cause you completely yes. missed the whole point of the album. And then I went back and listened to it. I was like, uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, so that actually, that actually has to do with number five. So, Oh, okay. So, so yeah. So I definitely remember when you were saying that you were very, very, uh, very cold on the album, um, but I told you like it's if you listen to the album and a little bit ago we were talking like about um, Quentin Tarantino, this album is sort of like Pulp Fiction where the story is not linear; it jumps around with the time shifts and the jumps. And so I think that's where initially you were sort of having problems with it because it was sort of like it's not like a clear cut point a to point b it's like from it goes from point like z to point b then it goes to like point f then it it jumps around a lot right so and so because it's not like a linear story i think that was like very very interesting in the actual music and what telling you the story is other than the music are the skits of the album so my number five moment of the album that's my favorite are definitely the skits and like this is one of those things where we're gonna make skits great again so (laughs) it's the last great album to have great skits i I think so it is and so after this album comes out you have like yg with my crazy life and then logic dropping his album like they try to do the same sort of things where they're trying to tell you the story of you know what their lives are but kendrick was you know Whenever the drop in 2012, he really mastered it. And other than like the sort of like the tales and like doing the, the armed robberies, not armed robberies, actually the, the break ins and then like, you know, the drive by, whatever, the best moments and the best skits are from his mom and his dad. Yes. And so, and so I have uh, my top five of the quotes from them. So, so let's go over them real quickly. Okay. And so, now, these are going to be, like, you know, some serious, some funny. Um, I think everyone should know what the, the best uh, quote of the album is, like, the best skit. Um, but for my number five was, 
it was at the end when Kendrick, when Kendrick's mom was leaving him in the voicemail, and she was like, "Top dog, call the house." Now look, you take that music serious. Shit, put out something me and your dad can step to. <laughs> shit, we from Chicago. That's what we do. <laughs> like, I just love black people talking about black shit in black ways. Like that shit. Absolutely. Like, like if you're from Chicago, like, and you're you have to know like the step the stepping culture. Like that's what it is. Like, and so if like if someone's from DC and like they don't really fuck with GoGo, it's like, like, what are you doing? Like, this is our culture, like this is our shit, or whatever. So I love that part. And then the one, the one-off quote. Did somebody say Domino's? Just bring my car back, man. I, I called in for another appointment. I figured you weren't gonna be back here on time anyway. Look, shit, shit. I just want to get out the house, man. This man is on one. He's feeling good. And a motherfucker. Shit, I'm trying to get my thing going too. One of Merlin house. Just bring my car back. Shit, he made it. He's feeling good. Look, listen to him. Got a big old fat ass, girl, girl. I want your body, I want your body, cause of that big old fat ass, girl. See, he has hell. Shit, he ain't even tripping off them dominoes no more. Just bring the car back. Did somebody say domino? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, any Old black men loving dominoes is always, uh, it always brings a joy in my heart for some reason. <laughs> 100%. So. And he loved yeah. his dominoes. He loved the motherfucking dominoes. Even when his wife is saying, Nobody give a damn. I know Domino's ain't that serious. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yes, like he, this man has to have his Domino's. Mm-hmm. Hiya, Puddins. It's your girl, Holly Quinn, a.k.a. Dr. Holly and Quinzel, here to tell you all about it. It's like a podcast or whatever. We talk about nerd stuff and life stuff. And if you want to know what we're about, check out the Powie Awards, our 100th episode, Q and Slay, or Theater from Our Butts. Have a good day, puddings, and love, trust, and belief. And so uh, another quote that I really like, which is his dad talking to Kendrick, giving him game, and this is like the this is like the last skit of the album. Well, second to last skit. And he was like, "Real is a responsibility. Real is taking care of your motherfucking family. Real is God, nigga. Like, yes, like yes, like all those things are real. And like, I think that's what sort of Kendrick, you know, his whole career sort of been taken uh, taken by like responsibility, family, religion. Like, those are all things that like are." motifs throughout his whole career and 100%. yeah and so my top two favorite my second my second favorite is his mom's talking to his mom's talking to Kendrick and you know he's running around doing all this wild shit with with the van all day and she's <laughs> like and she was like boy you better have my car for all this time you not have my damn car I ain't tripping <laughs> <laughs> like, like the whole like, you better have my car on full a bunch of time you had this car like that's that's some real like old black lady shit right yes. there and the number one and the number one quote we, we all know we all love I want you to sing along if you know the words girl yeah. yes <laughs> I want your body, body. I want your body fat ass girl that big old fat ass girl girl, exactly. girl. I want your body. 
<laughs> yes. You are and his mom is like, see, I just looked up the lyrics because I knew that shit was coming. And he's like, see, see, he has hell. Exactly. <laughs> he ain't even tripping over them damn dominoes anymore. Just bring the car back. Did somebody just say dominoes? dominoes? Exactly. <laughs> exactly, man. Like, I think Kendrick, Kendrick's whole thing, Kendrick is a very serious, like, very young person, but the, these sort of skits show you that he does have levity about himself. And so, you know, there's no way this album is as appealing if you don't get, you know, I want your body because that big old fat ass. It's just right. not happening. So, yeah. So, my number five is particularly with the mom and Kendrick's dad, like, the skits of the album. Beautiful. Love it. So, do you want to take us to number four or do you want me to bring in uh, Because the Internet? Yeah, I want, you to, I want you to bring your number five in Because the Internet. All right. So... Because the Internet is the second album by Childish Gambino, and it was released in December 10, 2013. And previously to this album, nobody took Childish Gambino seriously as an artist. I was a fan, and I didn't take him too seriously, because honestly, he was the bro-rape guy. He was the dude who was writing for 30 Rock and then became Troy on Community. And then he happened to have uh, started rapping, you know, and he had Freaks and Geeks out and he had a couple singles off of Camp that uh, did okay. I enjoyed the Camp album, um, but he had a small following and people were, I'd say the most thing he was over for at that point was people just thought he was in the Asian girls and he was just this nerd rapper who just, <laughs> just rapping just to rap, you know, and he had put out a, a mixtape called Royalty in 2012, which was well received as well. And I dug that. But again, it didn't do anything to change his persona about who Childish Gambino was. I mean, come on, his backstory, and still is to this day, is that he put Donald Glover into a um, a Wu name generator, a Wu-Tang name generator, and Childish Gambino is what it spit out. So with that being said, my number five moment on From Because the Internet is Telegraph Avenue, Parentheses, Oakland yes. by Lloyd. Okay, yes, yes, that's always fire, yes. I would say, and I love this album from top to bottom, but I would say that this was my favoritest song on the album. And yes, I said favoritest, I don't care. The reason being is because it, it started showing the levels to not only Childish Gambino, but also who Donald Glover was. Because... I'm going to get into more about the album and my later reasons. But when you get to track number seven, which is called officially three, like uh, uh, Roman, Roman numeral three, Telegraph Ave, Oakland by Lloyd, it starts off with a radio station and it sounds like um, Childish Gambino is driving. Power 106. <laughs> Signs, I'm ready 
I get to the baby, that's a problem. Cause I'm way too scared to call and you might give me a stay night. No. I don't really mind the drive, but I think I probably die in Oakland. In Oakland. When my hands are too intense, so I guess it all depends on Oakland. On Oakland. And I'm nervous to be told I never saw me growing old in Oakland. In Oakland. And if I'm buried and then you hear Roy come on and start singing this sweet ass syrupy hook. And then when that shit drops, man, that shit just, it gives you all the emotions. Like the song itself is about a breakup and how they're, and how things aren't going as well as he'd like. And um, like trying to kind of relive the past with, with his ex and everything. Um, but the song gives you sad vibes and happy vibes at the same time because the song is so, again, syrupy sweet that it's delivering this emotion to you that you should be happy. But then if you peel back the top layer, you you are who you are, player. You see that shit ain't all good. And then it's just a beautiful song that just eventually just kind of fades out and then turns into the next track, which is another favorite of mine, Sweatpants. But Telegraph Avenue was so big is because he didn't, uh, Childish didn't just go in and make a song about, um, he didn't just go and try to make a single. He didn't try to, um, it didn't fit any kind of category. Like it sounded like it did, but there was more layers to it. And with this song, he almost started sitting uh, almost kind of turning the steering wheel you know into a to a different direction into what yeah. donald glover and what childish gambino would become because yeah. by the time i heard telegraph avenue like the 3000 vibe video was out and that was a little weird you know um i mean i don't i didn't think it was i mean it's weird he's on a merry-go-round the whole time and the bear like disintegrates and gets worse as he goes around and it's like what is that like i don't understand and which is another part of the whole mystique of the album. And Telegraph Avenue started helping build a mystique to Childish Gambino. And so people stopped looking at his music as this is just a song about this and started looking for the double and triple entendres and what else it could really mean. And when he took that step into that, as far as... um not just trying to do songs for fun or try to be a nerd rapper. Or when he started to expand his horizons musically, that's when he started taking the steps into becoming the Childish Gambino that we know now, and especially the Donald Glover that we know now. So number five for me is Telegraph Ave. Yeah, because I think I do agree that this is like the first hints of being more as far as an artist, um, especially particularly between this and Kawhi like when you see him actually trying to do more than just rap um because we talked about this before but for me personally i do think that childish is more interesting when he goes beyond just trying to be a rapper right and so right. and so whenever he plays into sort of like bluesy r&b music i think he makes really interesting choices in this music and i do agree that like i i think telegraph Ave is um, I think usually top five songs on the album. Like, I don't think that's even a discussion. I would even say maybe even top three on the album for real. 
Um, but yeah, man, Telegraph Ave is like a, a really, really strong song. And another cool thing about it is because it's made, the song is a sample of a Lloyd song that doesn't exist. People were bothering Lloyd and probably still do to this day. When are you going to put out your version of Oakland? Because everybody thought that he had put out this song and then Charles Gambino had heard it and sampled it for his album. He No, Oakland was conceived within the Telegraph Avenue parameters. There's no original song of this. If there is, it hasn't seen the light of day. And being able to create this amazing song for an artist that doesn't exist, that's not yourself, um, is, is something that's pretty cool, too. It's like the cherry on top of everything. Yeah, man, definitely. Like, I didn't know that. I didn't. I I thought that was a sample of a little song. That's no, funny. and let I'm going to do a quick uh, podcast of 101 here and see if it's come out, uh, re, it been released or anything. But as far as I know, it has not. Yeah, I don't uh, see. Anything. Nah, I got nothing. Yeah. So yeah, man, good good jumping off points. Thank you, sir. I don't know. Maybe it could have been higher. Who knows? <laughs> well, quite, po- quite possibly, but I feel like all the other moments are more conducive to what happens within the con- the confines of the album. So, oh, okay, yeah, I right, know. All right, so we have. I think we'll have good, solid, strong off uh, starting off points. I think yours going to waver, but let's keep going. <laughs> they probably will. Uh... So we we will see. Uh, no, because I, I I have a personal connection with this album, and I went with what I connected with, and so y'all might feel it, y'all might not, but you know what? This is this is how I'm defending this album because this is how why it's important to me. So with your number four, Mister uh, Robinson. I don't know, and yeah, like I, first of all, music is definitely a personal art that people you know use as a vehicle for their emotions. Like I like whenever you listen to music, like unless you're like into Unless you're like at a club, you're you know you're listening to music by yourself for the most part, and so right. I do think that if there's music you can connect to, which I think that's why um, you know Eric wanted to discuss this album as well as Kendrick's because like the Kendrick album is something I've listened to, and Kendrick's music in particular is something I listen to primarily just by myself, other than you know the times I've seen live. So I do think that, you know, how you connect with the music is definitely, you know, definitely important and should not be ignored. Um, Now going to my number four track. Now we're going to, I want you to take a walk with me a little bit because um, my number four favorite moment from the album are the throwaway tracks. Uh, But there's, but there there are three throwaway tracks in particular. There's going to be two that, you agree with there's going to be one throwaway track i'm going to try to defend as being a throwaway track okay now of the three i think black boy fly is a very dope record a very sincere record about kendrick confronting his own insecurities with Mm -hmm. other people from um, compton following their dreams and so one verse is about aaron aflalo who had a you know pretty decent cup of coffee in, in, in the nba uh, I'm not even sure if he's still playing or not, but that was basically sort of Kendrick admiring from afar, but also still kind of jealous of Aaron Aflalo's success uh, with, with being into the NBA. And then the second verse is about his admiration and also jealousy of the rapper Game and how the Game sort of, you know, 
he he was basically like a lightning and bottle for a minute in hip hop. And so seeing him from afar, but then admiring him, but wanting that for himself. And so sort of him balancing his insecurities with the game's success versus his lack of success at the time of him being like just a young rapper. And so I have Black Boy Fly as like number, number three favorite throwaway track. My number two favorite throwaway track, which maybe even number one, but okay. The reason I'm going to call this a throwaway track is because there was supposed to be a music video for it. It was technically the first single, but they never shot the they never released a music video for it. And then the the track never made the official release. It just made the deluxe release. My number two favorite throwaway track is the recipe with Dr. Dre, and just the hook alone. Just the smoking weed with you. Like, that was so airy and so fucking breezy. Dude, so fucking like, beautiful. this song comes on. If I have trouble on and this song comes on, the, the beautiful thing about this album, I know we're supposed to be arguing for each other's shits, but I don't care. So the beautiful fuck thing it, about... <laughs> yeah, fuck it. Fuck it, we'll do it live. Good Kid, Mad City. The beautiful thing about this album is I'd say 75% of... Any of these songs come on, as not the slow ones, obviously, but any of these songs come on, my volume is going up all the way in the car. The windows are down. I don't care if it's winter, and I'm bumping it. And if the recipe's on, that song, like, it's one of the most beautiful instrumentals ever. I'm not scared to say it. One of the most beautiful instrumentals that Dre has ever crafted as far as just a pleasing instrumental to listen to, and he has a lot of those. And for this yes. song to be that beautiful... And then for Kendrick and Dre to go so hard on it, dude, it's, it, it, I love the recipe. Absolutely love it. Yes, man. I mean, think of just the brag of, I'm a boss, I buy that ocean. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Like, that's sick. Also, I, we, we want to shout out the, the person who actually produced it. Dre didn't produce it. Scoop DeVille. Scoop DeVille, produced DeVille. It. yes. Yeah. And so... So yeah, but no, like, oh my God, like that, like, I still remember feelings of like driving on the highway, like when like 80 degree weather, like that shit going, like the windows down, like like, that shit was fucking fire when that shit first dropped. That shit is still fire. Yes, it is still fire. Yes. And so, and so, okay, so that's my number two now. This number one, I don't know if you're going to agree with this number one as being a throwaway track. Okay. But here's my reason it's a throwaway track. Poetic Justice. Now, even is this, though is this because of Drake? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> actually, no, it is. Like that's the reason. Oh, okay. So, yeah, okay. So, even though this is technically number six on the album, and the video has 112 million views on YouTube as we speak, the reason we have to qualify as a throwaway track is one when it was out it was a super fucking popular record anyway right like this shit was still it was everywhere like it was in the clubs it was on the radio boom 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 but and also this is of kendrick's total views on youtube of like his own personal songs like this like the ninth highest viewed video from a kendrick lamar single but the reason i had to call it a throwaway track now is because you know, they have beef now. And like, and so it's like this super popular song. And at the time, like, it was probably, it was everything we wanted. It was like the two, the faces of this new generation of rappers 
who we you want to argue is like who's number one, number two, whatever. Like these are the top two, no matter what order you put them in. They collab on this one track, and the track is fucking fire. The Janet sample is fucking fire. Yeah, like you know what I'm saying. Like everything, the stars all aligned in this perfect way. But now it's a throwaway because like none of these niggas will ever perform it again. Like until until we get the I Declare War concert <laughs> where like Kendrick is doing the verse and all of a sudden Drake comes oh, out. No, baby, what is he doing? Like until we get oh, that. Oh man, I got a bad feeling that he's gonna bring Kendrick out of OVO Fest tomorrow now. Yo, if uh... he, no, I don't I, I don't see it, but if why if he does, like that'd be fire, but I don't I just don't see it now because it's sort of like well, I mean, maybe like he's he's like quote unquote squash everything with Chris Brown and you know their sort of relationship or whatever. But I mean, I don't know. Like, but if anything, if that if that happens, like that is the moment to be like, well, actually, you know what? It'd be better if like all of a sudden, if you're just in the crowd. Don't put your hands up high, hands up high, and and all oh, of a sudden. Oh, I know. Like, if you were bad, bit yeah. In the thundering rain, like all that shit, like yo, know, like. Go, go. I recognize your fragrance. Hold up, you ain't never gotta say shit. Uh, and I know you taste this a little bit. Mm, high maintenance. Uh, everybody else basic. You live life on an everyday basis with poetic justice. Poetic justice. If I told you that a flower bloomed in a dark room, would you trust it? I mean, I write poems in these songs dedicated to you when you're in the mood for empathy. It's blood in my pants. Okay, how much would you pay right now to see that live? Like, 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 if, if you're at a Kendrick concert, in your mind, the beef is still on. All of a sudden, you hear that song. And then you're in the back of your mind, you're like, hold on. Is he really going to bring him out or is he not? And then right. all of a sudden you hear, well, this is fucking another man. Like, and then all of a sudden Drake comes out. Like, how, how much of your soul would you willing to sell for that? Like one percent, like a half percent of your soul. I, I would give a good two percent, man, because especially yeah. with him dropping, <laughs> with Drake just Drake. dropping um all the Lucys, yeah. and then for him to come back and and do a throwback joint and have Kendrick be there. And when's the last yeah. time anybody seen Kendrick? Like seriously. So Kendrick doesn't Kendrick doesn't do shit unless he's, he's doing out. a random drive by uh guest verse. So he hasn't done a guest verse in at least like a year. It's like the last thing he did was like the future verse that no one liked. So well, he was on that uh he was on Revenge of the Dreamers. Like it wasn't oh, it a was? okay. it wasn't credited. And I don't know if it was okay. a full verse. I think he was just on there for a little bit. And then um I mean we he had Black Panther, which uh, I mean, that was last year. Well, yeah, it was 2016. Well, no, it was last no, Black, year. Black Panther was last year, yeah, 18. Yeah. But, I mean, that doesn't really feel like a... Even though it was, it was built as a Kendrick album, that just feels like a compilation shit that he just happened to be in the middle of, whatever. But, I mean, since then, like, even since, like... um, I think the last, like, super popular thing he did was, um, was the shit with him, J-Rock, and Future. And Future... Had the worst, had a had a terrible. It was a terrible good verse. It was bad, but it was good at the same time. Right. But, but yeah, that's the last time we really, really saw Kendrick like out or whatever. But um, but yeah, going back to my number four throwaway tracks, like yeah, man, the the, the samples 
between Poetic Justice and the recipe, forget about it. Like, it's fucking amazing how they sample those fucking records. Yeah. Um, like I said, those, those, those two samples alone, and we haven't, you haven't even talked about anything else on Good Kid, really, other than the skits. Uh, yes. They're, they're super solid. And they're they're more than super solid. So, a uh, big part of uh, why Good Kid was so great was was the sampling. So, I guess we're gonna get into my number four. Yes, get into it. All right, and and this is when things get weird, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Let's get weird, baby. Exactly. So, with that said, my fourth biggest moment from because the internet is not a song on the album. And it's not even a song. Okay? You okay. following me? I'm following you. All right. So, like I said, Because the Internet was released in December of 2013. Do you remember, Marcus, when the rap blogs got hit with Childish Gambino, Donald Glover, may be on the verge of a nervous breakdown because yeah. <laughs> my man decided... He was going to take residence in Marriott notes and post them to his social media and say a whole bunch of things. Now, I'm just going to kind of pick through these because I'm not going to read everything word for word, but he does go in depth. So, number one, I didn't, I didn't leave community to rap. I don't want to rap. I wanted to be on my own. I've been sick this year, and I've seen a bunch of people die this year. So that's on the first note, okay? So he had left Community, he left season five, and everybody assumed it's because he was going to focus on his rap career. And then he dropped something like this. So he's like, I don't even care about rap. I, I wanted to kind of be my own man and get my own, kind of learn who I am a little bit. And I've seen a lot of hurt this year, so it's been tough for me. Note number two, a couple standouts. I feel like I'm letting everyone down. I'm afraid people hate who I really am. And then he said, I'm afraid I hate who I really am. And then he said, I feel like this will feel pretentious. And these are just certain samples from the notes. This is note number two, okay? You still with me? Yeah, I'm still with you. Okay, note number three. First thing, I'm scared I'll never grow out of bro rape. <laughs> I'm afraid people think <laughs> I, I, I'm afraid people think I hate my race, and I'm afraid people think I hate women. I'm afraid there's something better for you or me. So now that goes into territory where it's like, is he talking to someone or is he talking to an, to the audience that it, like it sounded like before? Is this a cry for help? And then he said, I'm afraid this is on accident. I'm scared I'll be Tyrese. <laughs> yes, he's, he said that. That was before Tyrese lost his shit over um, The Rock getting the spinoff for Fast and Furious. Um, I'm afraid this doesn't matter at all. And then second to last note, he says, I'm afraid of the future. I'm afraid my parents won't live long enough to see my kids. I'm scared I'll never reach my potential. I'm afraid she's still in love with that dude. And then the very last note is more self-explanatory. He's like, my label doesn't want to drop me in December because it's not a holiday record and I'm not a big artist. Um, I started the record last Christmas, which had been 2012. Um, Christmas made me feel lonely. Um, he said, I want people to I want people to have this album when everything's closed, when everything slows down and quiet, so you can start over. Okay. Now I read all that to say this. Oh, wait, there's more. Uh, I got really lonely last year. You're always allowed to grow up if you want. 
Um, you can read the whole things if you want. They're still available. I found this on AV Club of all things. Now, when he dropped these hotel notes on his social media, he's been weird about social media his whole career. Like he'll delete stuff, he'll leave stuff on for a while, delete stuff, he'll delete stuff on, um, leave stuff on for a while. He actually started that trend around the because the internet time frame. He dropped these notes and everybody's like, oh shit, somebody go check on Donald Glover, you know? Like yeah. these sound like a cry for help. You know, um, it, that's what it sounds like to you a little bit, or at least some kind of oh yeah, <laughs> personal personal information that he decided he got a little too much in his bag one night, and he's going to post these. Yeah, now, because even, oh, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, cause, like, because even if you like remember even the press run he was on, mm-hmm. like a lot of people were just like, especially for me, it was like, yo, this is a guy who at least on the surface is showing that he's going through like mega depression and you know, he, he's using his music to vent, but like, he's obviously like going through like some sort of form of depression. So. Right. Right. So now with all that said, this was not a cry for help. This was part of the album rollout, which we see now six years later, because within the album, he plays a character called The Boy. And The Boy is also featured in the screenplay, which I'll be talking about later. And I'll be talking about the character of The Boy later on as well. Now, by doing this, he essentially put every kind of... It, it, think of it as the final battle scene on 8 Mile, where they go up to uh, to uh, Bunny Rabbit, and like, oh, they're, they're going to talk about this and that and this. And then Rabbit's like, you're right. And then Rabbit goes and tells everybody everything, and then he disses them all. It's kind of like the same thing in a way where he's like, these are the things that I know people think about me as a person as well as some of my uh, current um, fears and stuff that I have. I want to shift away from being the childish Gambino I've been since I've come into musical existence, into people's uh, homes, essentially. I want to turn the page and become whatever artist I want to be, you know, and also maybe sit the pay- the table for Donald Glover to become whatever he wants to be. So by doing that, he put out all these notes, he got a reaction, he built a, a buzz with the notes, because people was like, is he okay? Is he all right? He put a little bit more eyes on the album, and let's see, these notes came out on, I said on December 15th, or October 15th is when that was posted, I'm going to check real quick to see when they dropped the single for 3005. They dropped the single for 3005 a week later. So it was all part of the plan. And then all of a sudden, oh, there's a Childish Gambino track called 3005. Let me check this out to see what it's about. Because he did those notes, I kind of want to see what's happening. So this is an important moment of Because the Internet, because, again, it allowed... Gambino to go into a cocoon and become reborn into the Childish Gambino, start to become reborn at least, into the Childish Gambino that we know today. Because without these notes, people would still think that he only wants to have sex with Asian girls, I bet. And he would not be able to have turned the corner like he did. So that's my number four. Yeah, because I think um, I do think what he was exhibiting especially like what i remember from those like the i think that was like the last sort of last gas for the blog era when like everyone mm-hmm. was covering rappers yep. so but, like every like all those like 
radio station interviews he was going on and like with the with the weird ass hat he was wearing <laughs> like right like um yeah like i i definitely remember that being someone who was definitely showing that like he was trying to like reach out for help in some sort of way but also he was still trying to process his emotions for different you know just different shit in his life whatever and i think with camp like i think camp was definitely a a project that I think it was a cult sort of thing. And I think it took people with even going with, because the internet to go back to camp because I like, I didn't listen to camp at all. Like when it came out, I didn't really know about it. Like, I think only, only really a certain sect of even for people, even like we're having the blog era that went back and like actually fuck with camp or whatever. Um, I didn't listen to me. Yeah, like, yeah, like, I wasn't in a camp for like years. Like it's it's like a really long time for me. I even like to get to camp or whatever. Um, but I do think that for this album, like and even for music within the album, he does want to process. He does he does want to process these emotions in like this very tangible way. And like there's even moments where it's like it's the musicality of the album is trying to like elevate it to like sort of scariness in a way. But at the same time, like if you're really battling those sorts of, sorts of demons and um anxiety and depression like that feels scary anyway so i do think because the internet it is trying to take people for a ride in that sort of way and i do think for the most part he does like a a pretty good job with it on the album i think so too (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean to your point for your point like with the notes like that's amplifying that too because i do think like even if you put something in music there's a big difference between putting in music and then just putting it plainly. Right. So with the notes, he's actually putting it like he is setting it up. Like he is telling you, like, these are my emotions flatly here, but then I'm going to give you the music here to entertain you, but also to give you more in depth of who I actually am. So, so yeah, I do think that the notes and setting it up in that sort of way, I do think that it all really was important to the to the rollout of the album. And with that said, let's go back to Good Kid, Mad City. So, Marcus, what is your number three most important moment from Good Kid, Mad City? All right. Now, we talked a little bit about, you know, uh, Childish using his album to not only, you know, process his emotions, but also it really showed you and foreshadowed sort of where he would go with his music. And so for my number three, it's a... It is a, a telegraphing of Kendrick's career in in about eight to ten bars. And so on the third verse, well, which is number three, my third my third favorite album, favorite moment of the album, the third verse from Sing About Me. Sometimes I look in the mirror and ask myself, am I really scared of passing away? If it's today, I hope I hear a crowd from heaven so loud it can water down a demon with the Holy Ghost till it drown in the blood of Jesus. I wrote some reps that made sure that my lifeline freaking the scent of a reaper ensuring that my allegiance with the other side may come soon and if I'm doomed make the wound help my mother be blessed for many moons I suffer a lot and every day that glass mirror get tougher to watch I tie my stomach in knots and I'm not sure why I'm infatuated with death my imagination is surely an aggravation of threats that can come about Cause the tongue is mighty powerful And I can name a list of your favorites that probably vouch Maybe cause I'm a dreamer and sleep is the cousin of death Really stuck in the schema Wondering when I'm arrest. And you're right, your brother was a brother to me 
and your sister's situation was the one that put me like mm. that's actually going to set up his career and basically it sort of telegraphs what his feelings are for his career but also religion and also his legacy too but like in particular like there's like a portion of the the verse that I want to I want to go over because I do think I think the first like third or first half of that the third verse is really really sort of important so here's like the portion of the verse that I do think is pretty telling to um to Kendrick's career so when he says what the other side may come what the other side may come soon and if I'm doomed may the womb of my mother be blessed for many moons I suffer a lot and every day the glass mirror gets suffer to watch I tie my I tie my stomach in knots and I'm not sure why I'm infatuated with death my imagination is surely an aggravation of threats like I think his whole career well not even his whole career I think from good city especially with Black and Berry Sweet of Juice and then with Damn, like, there is, like, a level of violence in Kendrick's music that he's always really sort of juggling. Mm-hmm. And you can tell, like, he is sort of a kid that grew up around gang culture. And he even wants you to question, even if you look at the, the song Mad City, he even wants you to question if you even think that he has even participated in some of the shit. Like, I mean, he's never, like, said one way or the other, but he, do, he does want you to sort of think about, like, what these realities, how they affect, like, black kids growing up. And so even just the line of, like, he's saying, like, I'm not sure why I'm infatuated with death. Like, my imagination is surely an aggravation of threats. Like, you can tell, like, this is something that really does sort of bother him. And I can't even imagine, like, even something like now, like, you know, the death of Nipsey Hussle, like... I can't even imagine sort of like what would that have on his sort of mindset because, you know, Nipsey's passing, like what I've seen has affected a lot of different people in a lot of different ways. And so I think for someone who is sort of in the same boat of Kendrick where they came up in sort of the same sort of era and Kendrick, you know, he had more success than Nipsey, but Nipsey was someone who was really on the cusp of, of stardom and he had an album, um, Victory Victory Lap, where it was, you know, considered like one of the best albums, like when it dropped of twenty seventeen, and not twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen. I'm sorry, and you know his his light got extinguished way before it actually should have, and so you can even sort of think about that. And it was like, you know, what if this would have happened to Kendrick? Like, what if you know some terrible twist of fate would have happened to where you know, you know, God forbid like, he would have got gunned down and, you know he, you know, his life would have been extinguished before you know, he really could have had you know, a career and a life and a family like, you know the, you know, the thousands of families affected by gun violence and, you know, death you know, those are really sort of, you know, if you think about it, you know, it's a very sad sort of thing, but I think Kendrick his, his mentality is really based on that mindset. Because even if you look at the album cover, the standard album cover of mm-hmm. the Kid Mad City, I think the guy that's holding him is either his dad or his uncle. But I don't know if you ever noticed this, but the guy holding Kendrick is throwing up a Crip sign. Oh, uh, yeah, he is. Yeah, like, I, like, so this is, like, even just sort of think of the imagery of that, like, 
This is a kid who's literally born into gang culture and gang life without his even choice. Like he's he's born of this environment that he doesn't have any control over. And so, you know, hearing kids who have grown up around gang culture and like gang life, even if they're not making the choices to be active in and making choices to be neutral, you still have to make a choice to, to be in it or be out of it. And so I do think that's had a great sort of effect on not only Kendrick's life, but any sort of like kid of the 80s, of the 70s, of, and even you know, of the 90s growing up and seeing that sort of life and having family members who have, you know, been into the gang life and, you know, making a choice to either follow in their footsteps or trying to do something else with their life. And so I think the third verse of Sing About Me, um, which is a great song overall, but particularly that verse, like you're really sort of seeing the themes of Kendrick's mentality, but also like where he wants to explore later. And for like, even like, um, uh, to Pimper Butterfly, which gets very dark, and uh, and Damn, which gets dark at times, too, Like uh, you can sort of see, like, this is sort of springboard of where Kendrick is going to go with the rest of his career. Because, like, even something like, you know, Overly Dedicated in um, Section 80, like, they do touch on it a bit, but after we get this album and when we get to Pump a Butterfly, like we're on full tilt. Like we're going, like, oh, yeah. we're going deep into the darkness. And so I think this album is, I think, well, this verse in particular, like is so good. And it really sort of tells you like what Kendrick is going to be for the rest of his career. That's a great point because it does set the stage for everything that was to come, which we didn't know of because when Good Kid came out and Good Kid was so good, we were all thinking, how does he top this? And yeah. then obviously he hasn't had a problem doing it ever since. But, I mean, there was a lot of doubts going, or, or at least from a fan's perspective, about him being able to still do it after as incredible as Good Kid ended up being. And um, for him to be able to grow from his situation as a kid to Good Kid and then to what he's become today, it's something that is an achievement that gets overlooked in all the shuffle of him just being one of the biggest rap stars in the world. Yeah, man. So yeah, like this is definitely a kid from Compton, you know, um, who has seen a lot. He's been active a lot. Like, um, cause like I said before, even if you listen to mad city, he's like, do you, He's basically at the on the last verse. He's like, "Do you think I'm a person that can get into this sort of shit, or do you think I'm just this innocent kid who is just not going to be involved?" Like, I mean, that's that's a real choice he had to make. And I mean, we don't really like I said before, we don't know like you know if he really was active or not. But at the same time, it's sort of like it's really hard to imagine like him not being in, inactive in some way, especially I mean. You know, being out with Top Dog and like, you know, J Rock is getting affiliated. Like, you know, um, he's a blood um, Q. Um, he's a he's a Hoover Crip. So, mm-hmm. like for Kendrick, like if Kendrick was neutral, like I mean that's you know it's good, or whatever. But at the same time, it's sort of like, you know, even if he was neutral, like you know he saw some shit. Like it's it's <laughs> apparent like he's seen shit. Absolutely. Yeah. So that moves us back over to Donald Glover. My number three reason for Because of the Internet. 
clapping for the wrong reasons, and the screenplay. Look, I don't have much time, all right? So let me just say something real quick. My name is EG, and I am the host of two shows that are part of the Hyphen Podcast Group. The first show is called Catch the Show. It's a show where I talk about music-related news and pop culture, upcoming tours that you may want to catch shows of, and I tell you about a show that I call because it's the number one concert review podcast in the world, and I've reviewed shows from Beyonce to Kendrick Lamar to even the Backstreet Boys. So yeah, that's Catch the Show. The other show is called The Underground Monster. Slightly different kind of show, but still music-related. It's where I cover basically underground independent hip-hop, horrorcore, and the juggalo culture. So yeah, if you're interested in either one, go to hyphenpodcastgroup.com and or go to your favorite podcast platform and just search for them and hit that subscribe button, okay? Got that? Cool. Now let's get you back to the show you were originally listening to. Now, okay. yeah, now, I don't know how familiar some of y'all may be, but Clapping for the Wrong Reasons was a short film that came out prior to Because of the Internet, and Donald Glover stars in it, obviously, yep. and it came out August 15, 2013, so it came out four months before the album dropped, and Clapping it's for the Wrong YouTube. Reasons, or go ahead. Oh, yeah, it's on YouTube uh, for those yeah. that want to see it. It's on the uh, Donald Glover channel right now. 9 million views. 9.6 million views as of right now. Uh, starring an adult film actress who, I, who name escapes me, but yes. What? Her name's Abella Anderson. Oh, Come okay. on, bro. Oh. God. My bad. Yeah. How, how dare bad. you? My bad. Anyway, <laughs> the short film stars members of Gambino's royalty crew, uh, the aforementioned Abella Anderson has a walkthrough t- two or three times. Um, I believe, um, was it Bobby Schmurter was in this? Or am I thinking about, I'm, I might be thinking about the other. Trinidad, no, Trinidad James and Trinidad Chance, James. Thanks. And Chance the Rapper. Chance was in it. I got I got mixed up. Um, I haven't watched it in like a couple years, at least two since I watched it. Um, and then also an appearance from one Danielle Fischel also known as Topanga from Boy Meets World slash Girl Meets World. She's also in this. And Clapping for the Wrong Reasons doesn't have any kind of plot other than they rented Chris Bosch's house in Miami and shot wow. this. Yeah. And oh, and his producer, uh, Ludwig uh, Gorenson, who has multiple Grammys now for like the Black Panther soundtrack and the Creed soundtrack and... There was something else that he just did recently. Maybe it was the Black Panther I'm thinking about. Um, and has always been Gambino's main producer. Um, he's also in this. The It's really just kind of shot vlog style, you know, where it's like, hey, we're like, um, this, we're over here doing this. And then one scene, Gambino's talking to this girl in the pool. And another scene, he's making a song with uh, Ludwig. And another, so, another one, I think he's playing Connect Four with um, Trinidad James and chance and then abella anderson keeps walking through and then he goes to see to help topanga pick some kind of fruit and topanga's talking about having these weird dreams and he's just sitting there listening to her 
and Topanga's cussing and being a real person. It's kind of awesome because you know you I've, I've never seen her kind of outside of the Topanga role. I've had the most like strangely recurring dreams over the last week, and uh, it's like of my wedding, but nothing is going right. Everything's a disaster. My guests are all there. It's all my real life friends. They all look gorgeous. They're all like fully done up in their gowns that they're probably gonna wear to the wedding. My family's there. But suddenly I realize I should have already been married by now and I'm not married. I'm not in my wedding dress. I'm all alone in this giant area where I see my guests being served their cocktail appetizers on paper plates. Everyone seems to be having a great time but they're all dressed up eating off of paper plates. And I am wearing cargo pants, army cargo pants. Like Old Navy? Yeah, exactly, like Old Navy cargo pants. I don't own Old Navy cargo pants. I'm not even sure where that came from in my head, but I'm wearing that with the t-shirt and I'm supposed to be getting married. My hair's not done, my makeup's not done, everybody else is ready. My mom comes in and asks me, why aren't you getting ready for your wedding? I'm like, oh, I will be, I will be. But suddenly I'm smoking a cigarette I don't even know why I'm smoking a cigarette, but in my mind, I also know that I'm three or four weeks pregnant. Horrible, right? So I tell my mom, mom, you don't know this, but I'm three or four weeks pregnant. She says, not put out the cigarette. She says, well, maybe you should go get in your wedding dress. It's all very, very weird. I'm not really sure what it means at all. I think we have too many lemons. One more? And then after 24 minutes, it ends. And it's like, what did I just watch? <laughs> let me and then you're like let me watch it again or some people are like okay that was a waste of time so after you get through clapping for the wrong reasons shortly before the release of because of the internet it came out that there was a screenplay for because of the internet and the idea was there used to be a website and everything it was literally called because um dot no, it was because enter.net was a, a website. It doesn't work anymore. Um, but you can literally go there and you're supposed to play the album while you read the script. And even in, within the script, there was like little embeds for short, uh, from short scenes that are within the script. And it was building this whole universe around this album. So let me tell you, Marcus, first time mm-hmm. I read the screenplay, I... um. I read it and I was definitely like, what the fuck did I just read? <laughs> because <laughs> I was thinking, okay, somehow he's tied in the screenplay with these songs and everything. And he has, but the screenplay doesn't necessarily go along with the album. It does at some points, but ultimately the screenplay and the album can be taken separately. And because of that, he created a whole he created a whole movie sent around his album that he just didn't shoot all of it for. So there's this whole story being told about his character, again, the boy starting from the day he gets home from camp and then flash flash forward a few years. And he's just rich and his dad is Rick Ross and he just hangs out with his friends and he starts going through identity crisis where he's like, like I have all this money and I don't need anything in life. What the hell am I doing here? Um, do my friends really care about me and so on and so forth. He, he tries to have a, a hookup with his one girl and he can't get it up for some reason because he's so anxious and he has all these, all this stuff weighing on him. And then eventually he gets to a point where he pushes all his friends away. He 
falls in with the wrong crew and starts um, dealing drugs. But then he falls in love with uh, Janae Aiko's character. And she's on the song Pretty Toes on the album. And from there, like, everything's great. That's when you get the rainbows, sunshine. You get all that and everything from Pink Toes. But then, ultimately, just like Telegraph Ave, they end up breaking it off by the end of Pink Toes. So he's alone. And that's when it gets into the finale of the screenplay, which is where someone someone tries to essentially kill him um, because they think he has drugs and he's actually gotten out of the game, but they're coming to see him about stealing some drugs from him because they heard that he used to be a dealer. And it's left open-ended at the end whether or not the boy actually lived or died. It's implied he died, but there's no final dialogue that says the boy died. Now, when you pair that back with the album itself, the very last song on the album, and I'm going to talk about that here next. It's actually my next category because I did throw another song in there while we've been sitting here talking. The next song, um, the very last song on the album is called Life, the Biggest Troll. And so, and I, I believe you're supposed to play Life, the Biggest Troll after the final scene that you read in the screenplay. And Life, the Biggest Troll is more like the traditional Gambino rapping versus what we heard the rest of the album. And it's almost like with the screenplay itself, he has, because you became so invested between the music and the story that by the time you get to the end and you want to know the answer. And let's say first thing pops in my head is like something that's left open-ended and we just never freaking know. Like Mama Mia, you don't know who that girl's dad is. You just never know. Okay. It bothers me. Some people don't care. It bothers me. But thing is, it doesn't matter. Well, that's not the main point of the of the artwork. And that's the same thing Gambino was doing. And so by the time you get to life, the biggest troll, he's telling you life is the biggest troll jokes on you. I made you invest in these things. I can't give you all the answers, but I want you to take away from it what you will. And I had never seen anyone approach an album from this way before I've heard of, Oh, get the, get the soundtrack for this independent movie from no limit records featuring masterpiece, silk the shock, you know? And it's like, Oh, we shot a movie to go with this album, everything. And then like, uh, what were you talking about? That three, six, um, movie that was trash. Uh, was it choices? choices? Yeah. yeah. And like, it's complete garbage, but then at the same time, like you kind of like choices here and there, like they had nothing to do with each other, but Donald Glover Gambino made a, a a concentrated effort to make multiple forms of his media for his second album out there. And not only did he successfully make a short film, whether or not it was pointless or not, it also go, feeds into the biggest troll idea because the film, like I said, it's just kind of like different scenes and then it ends. The idea of because the internet is the internet is a troll. And it's always going to find a way to troll us somehow, whether that's you Google something wrong or whether you get some inf- uh, some fake news or something like that. At the end of the day, the internet is a troll. And that is the idea he wants you to take away from the album and everything he's telling you and everything that you've read in the screenplay. Because it's very tech heavy. He was very heavy into coding at the time when these albums came, when this album came out. And even his website's reflected at the time. I wish he still had them up because he had some really cool shit up on his Tumblr and all that stuff, but of course he took it down. But I said all that because without clapping for the wrong reasons, without the screenplay, then the payoff of Life the Biggest Troll 
doesn't bring the album full circle because ultimately Life's the Biggest Troll starts with the same ends with the same noise that starts up the album. Because the idea is once you finish Life the Biggest Troll, you let it go back to track one, and then the library starts back up again, and then you're right back connected into the internet. So I feel like those are major things that happened. Um, a major part of why because the internet is because of the internet because he was able to think outside the box and deliver these different forms of media all at once. That was a I, lot of words. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say I do think that's I think that is pretty interesting. I did forget like he had like that whole script thing, mm-hmm. and I did even forget about this even short video he did because I was definitely very confused as the purpose for the video. I think I like read like part of the script once, but then gave up halfway through. <laughs> I reread it a few years ago, just separately from the music. And I, I mean, I'm a Gambino stan anyway, but I found it to still be pretty cool, especially because I was really confused when I was trying to put them together. Like this has to fit into this narrative of the music somehow. And there has to be something more to it. Once I got past that and said, fuck it, I don't care anymore. <laughs> I was able to enjoy the screenplay for what it is and then enjoy it because of the internet for what it is and and then realize where they obviously mingle versus where they could be there could be hidden meanings for them to mingle. Yeah, because I think I don't think anyone um well I don't want to say anyone, but I do think that for a majority of artists, uh navigating how to really get people to inter- to be interactive for, through different multiple streams of social media has been a challenge. The only person other than just this example that tries to pull it off is really like it's Drake. But that's when like he wants people to make memes because he knows that memes are, you know, how we communicate. So right. if you put if you put the little Drake person from you's album cover, if you put that on like, you know, your mom's you know, hairdresser or some shit like that. Like, you'll see that, like, oh, yeah, we, we can make fun of this, but, you know, we're also advertising, like, this is the album or whatever. And so that's sort of Drake trying to manufacture, I'll, I'll be honest, is sort of trying to manufacture sort of cheap ways to get people to be interactive with the music. But um, I don't think, for the most part, like, I think people have kind of just sort of given up on sort of being creative in that sort of way, which is pretty sad. Um, but I do think that for for Gambino's music, uh, particularly with, like, um, you know, his last album and then with This Is America, you know, I mean, even this album, too, because of the internet, like, he's really about engaging people with his art. Like, he's really about, like, doing things and putting himself out there and then letting people sort of talk and like make the de- make the decision if um, you know what the album is supposed to mean, what the art is supposed to mean. Um, so I I think only really him and I mean in this case you know and we're talking about Kendrick. I think those are two artists in particular of the generation who are really about sort of that conversation of like where their art can what their art really sort of means and like. What what it means to their eyes also. Right. All right. Now now we're heading into the top two. Top two. 
And we talked a little bit of stuff about how, you know, things outside the album has, you know, played sort of a big reason as to why the album lasts. My number two um, for the best moment that Good Kid Matt City produced is experiencing, well, just to go back a little bit, I talked a little bit about how I saw, you know, Kendrick perform, you know, uh, 10 days after the album first dropped versus like a whole like cycle after the album dropped. So whenever he, he performed at Fall Fest at WU, this would have been September of the of the next year. So from November to well August. August, August the 13th, yeah, cuz I yeah. was I was working security, I believe. So Not yeah, sure. so that's a whole nine months in between that we had to live with the album, and mm-hmm. you know he's touring the country and he's international star. Like this is the album that gave him the international star, and seeing Kendrick live during that time. If you were live for the first fifteen seconds of Mad City Live, like that was some of the best live music experience I've uh, been a part of. It was incredible. So the first. So the the second best moment that Good Kid Matt Presidio reduced was experiencing the first 15 seconds of Mad City live. Like everyone is just all energy, like Kendrick's all energy. Like if you remember, like he did it like twice there. Yeah. 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 So because then he started and started over. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so that sort of moment of where I there's no way they really could have telegraphed like that being the moment from the album. No. And so I think we're now like, I was talking a little bit about Drake before, but like, I do think artists now and not only just like musicians, but like entertainers and like movies and TV, like they're really sort of looking for the, the, the memification of their art. Like what can we do to like get this gift to be like a trending topic or whatever. I don't think there's any way they would have thought like schoolboy yelling, yeah, 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 yeah. Pyros and Crips all got along. They probably got me down by the end of the song. Seem like the whole city go against me. Every time I'm in the street, I hear, yeah, 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 yeah. Man down, where you from, nigga? Fuck who you know, where you from, my nigga? Where your grandma stay, huh, my nigga? This mad city, I run. I don't think they would have known that that would have took on the level of the videos on YouTube, bro. Yes, like there's no way like they would have thought that that those like those 15 seconds would have elevated into something that is a was a cultural thing. Like like seeing Kendrick live just for that emotion was so fucking worth it like absolutely it was it was just it was just phenomenal seeing that shit live and like being and like i said before like when i saw him in november that energy wasn't there but but for that particular song like they didn't know that was there like whenever we saw it so basically the to give a little more background story in November, the show was just in like a standard sort of just music theater. Like it was like a 
uh, a bal- like a one balcony place. Like yeah, it was at the Met. It was at the Morgantown uh, Metropolitan Theater. Yeah, it was at the Met. Like it was sold out, but this this wasn't like a super like big crowd. Like it was sold out, but at the same time, like like if this wasn't festival levels. No, this and- is more like we know him from Section Eighty, and we want to see yeah. him live. And he has an album out now. Yeah, so this these are kids who, if you saw them in November, these are kids who grew up on, who grew up not only on Section Eighty but also grew up on Overly Dedicated. dedicated. Mm-hmm. And so, like you, like the kids that remember the video of him doing High Power and Snoop passing the torch to him and him crying on stage, like this performance was for that type of fan. And so now. Fast forwarding to set to to August, the Mountaineer like the back of the Mountaineer um, Mountain Lair being completely packed, Frat Row being completely packed, both parts of Frat Row like the nuts. It was it was fucking nuts. Like it was dozens upon dozens of thousands of people just out there just for this experience, and so being a part of that was like one of the best musical experiences I've ever been a part of live. I have to agree with you because I, like I said, I was there. I was, let's see, I was, I was 13. So I was, I was working security. Um, yeah. I don't remember how close to the stage I was, but I, I feel like I was right up. I was pretty close and the energy was crazy the whole time. I wasn't helping nobody get out of the freaking pit. I didn't care. I was watching Kendrick. <laughs> like, yeah, I was like, oh, you have to wait. Um, but but when Good Kid rang off, man, you're not lying. Like that crowd, and even just watching this little bit of this YouTube video, I have, uh, that crowd just responded so well to that record, and the energy that Kendrick brought, it showed that he was more comfortable performing that record versus when you saw him back in November of twelve. So, yeah, man, yeah, like it's yeah, like being. Not many rappers sort of have that sort of that sort of record where, like, well, you have like rappers who like you know they have like a hit record and all of a sudden you know everyone in the crowd knows it, but that mm-hmm. sort of like it was like a heroin blast of energy. It was a cocaine blast of energy. Like he could have he literally could have just stood on stage reading Shakespeare. And then all of a sudden, if Powers and Crips came on, motherfuckers would have been resurrected. Like, it would have been, it was like catching, like, the fucking Holy Ghost, like, in a sea of, of dozens of thousands of white people. Like, it was, it was fucking nuts. And so, yeah, so, man, like, that experience of seeing this shit live, like, it was, it was totally fucking worth it. It, it was definitely cool. Yeah. So, to go into my number two, um, for uh, because of the internet, fortunately I haven't seen Gambino live other than leaked videos. But mine is a, a combination of two songs that uh, one that did not make the album, the one that we talked about the last time I was up, "Life the Biggest Troll," and then also the leaking of because of the internet. Now, the first the first song that did make the album it was called Centipede. Da, 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 
And Centipede was just a Lucy that came out on Gambino's uh, SoundCloud on July 23rd, 2013. And as a Gambino fan, I was hungrily waiting new songs. So when this came out, I, I scooped it up off the blogs. I was like, oh man, I'm ready. And it's easily one of my favorite Gambino songs ever. Um, even over anything he's done, like Awaken My Love, This Is America, um, Because of the Internet. The reason being is he's singing on the hook, which is always good for me. I've always liked the singing voice. And then on the ver- the verses, he's just going in and doing it and rapping. And this is a straight, it's a straight good ass song. You know, there's nothing, nothing to it. You know, it's like, okay, he's this is literally just a song he's throwing out there, test the waters. He's supposed to drop later this year. All good. But the thing that really gets me on this one is there's an outro to this. And I thought it was a movie quote, maybe, but it's literally uh, someone's talking to someone else. Ta- and the realest shit that's on here is essentially he says, you think niggas like shooting niggas, my nigga? You think niggas like pat, uh, tucking packs? You think niggas like bagging up? You know how boring bagging up is, my nigga? It is so boring, my nigga. There is no underground. Joe Budden is on my fourth mixtape selling shit. The underground is Koch, nigga. There is no underground. You don't see Raekwon and none of these niggas on the block. You don't see none of them niggas on the block. There's no more niggas, no more a block, nigga. It's all over for the block. You ask any nigga on the block, do they want to be on the block? They're going to say, no, nigga. Get your money, man. Stop trying to be gooned out. Get my, uh, my nigga. And then, uh, and then somebody goes, hood niggas. And he's like, hood niggas don't want to be hood niggas, my nigga. And that, it, so on and so forth. It only goes a little bit longer. But the whole rant at the end of the song is what makes it. Because it's so fucking true. Because kids and even rap fans who don't know, they glorify that that trap lifestyle, that hustling lifestyle, or what the pimping lifestyle, whatever the rapper is spewing about, you know, the drug lifestyle, um, just the taking a drug lifestyle. So like people take so much of that stuff at face value, and it's like, oh man, so little uh not little Nas X. Um Give me, give me a rapper, <laughs> like Triple X, Triple X is whatever, however you say his name. He's talking about doing ecstasy and beating women. That shit's fly. I want to go do that shit, okay? Um, and then they take that shit seriously, and then they try to carry that shit into their own life. And it's like, regardless of what I think about him or what his fans think about him, like, I mean, that was a bad example, but say Jay-Z. Jay-Z deals drugs. People are like, oh, Jay-Z deals drugs. Oh, and deals drugs like Jay-Z. Jay did that so you didn't have to do that. He said that on um, H to the Izzo. Like, even though they rappers rap about these things, they don't want, they're not doing it to glorify it. They don't want you to go do it too. I mean, they may say that shit to make it sound fly, but that shit is never as cool as it's cracked up to be, is the main thing. And that's the whole thing I took from that rant. So that's why Centipede was an important thing lead into that. Because, especially into the transition of what Because the Internet became, because, again, this is another example of Gambino trying to say, everybody's like, oh, you're a, a famous actor. You do comedy. You can rap a little bit. Like, what's wrong with just staying there? And this whole rant, even though it's not his actual voice, 
essentially he's saying, even though I can do all those things, that's just not as cool as you think. And I want, I want to do other things. So that's what I took from that. Now he leaked his album. That's the second part of this. And I say he leaked his album because shortly before the album drop date, because the internet dropped like it, like it used to back in the day, you know, things would drop and you would cop it. And what had happened was I got through the whole album. And like I said, the very last song on here is called life, the biggest troll. And the funny thing is, on the very last verse, Gambino gets to a part where he says, ah, where is it at? He says, never forget this feeling, never going to reach a million, eventually all my followers, and then it stops. Open me focus, no Anna Nicole Smith, she getting hers. Niggas take a props like a musical, live and learn. She says she feel alone all the time, I'm similar. I meet her in my dreams on the moon, I visit her every night, I text her. I want to solve the world, I think I need your help. She texts me, how you gonna trust somebody when you don't trust yourself? I mean, she right though, 45 like a light bulb, and I could have died like my iPhone, but I kept going like a psycho, and I took chance like a dice roll, dropping jewels like it's puberty, wrote a note on the glass. He cuts out, yep. And I was like, and I was always like, and that was it. Like there was nothing else on my copy. And then and then it went back to the verse tracks. So I was always like, okay, that was weird from the end of there. And I just left it at that. And then as I started getting into genius and looking at the lyrics and shit, I see there's like all these other bars afterwards. And I Google it and it's like, yeah, I leaked it and then I cut it off right there. And I was like, oh shit. So you almost know who the bootlegger is and you know who who actually bought the shit, you know, which I found another way to troll with, which I found very, uh, very uh, different from most leaks back in the day. Cause it's either you leaked your own shit or someone else leaked it. And then you try to go after whoever leaked it. But the actual bar he says here is eventually all my followers realize they don't need a leader. Stay on your own shit. Fuck what these clones think. Just remember you the shit, but act like it don't stink. We were childish, but it had to grow up. When you spit in real shit, eventually you throw up. Realities like allergies, I'm afraid to go nuts. Life's the biggest troll, but the joke is on us. Yeah, the jokes you showed up. And then it's and then it goes into the Andrew Rappahama back to the hook and shit. And the reason it's important is because again, going back to topic number three, the internet is the troll. The idea is don't follow the herd. Don't kind of make your own path like don't be scared to step out there because when on the leak version it says eventually all my followers and for a follower like myself at the time and still i was like what am i supposed to be following you know and then for people who bought this shit who actually supported gambino which i eventually did it said eventually all my followers realize they don't need a leader so he's saying you don't got to listen to me and you don't got to follow all this shit that's on the internet, all these memes, all this other shit. Just be yourself. And that's what those last couple of bars are eventually saying, especially when he says we were childish but had to grow up. And again, that's another reference to him wanting to get out of the what childish um, Gambino persona had been up to 2013 and expand it into other horizons. So that's my number two, The Leak, Centipede, and uh, Life the Biggest Troll, the final track. Okay, well, yeah, like... um. Cause yeah, I I think the well yeah I definitely know that like the the last part of life's the biggest troll, um yeah that was cut out <laughs> so right actually I think even I mean they're even mixed different I think the 
even the leaked version actually a little bit better mixed than the actual album version. But but yeah, man, I th- I think that's a pretty solid choice for your number two. Uh, I do think that. I mean, that's the whole thing. Like the whole title is like it's the biggest troll. So we're definitely wanna like we're definitely gonna get this last troll off in the meantime. So absolutely. So yeah, I, I, and I do think, like I said, like I do think he is someone who is extremely calculated in all the moves he does. Oh yeah. And so and I don't think it's a, any coincidence. Uh, even for the short he did, um, it was directed by the guy who would eventually, you know, direct for Atlanta. Yeah, hero, so, right? Yeah, so he is definitely an artist who, like Kendrick, you know, they definitely play with the chess pieces for what they want to put out in their music and put on their art overall. So I think for Kendrick, you know, Kendrick is very, um, very aware of the choices, even for his aesthetic. And so every video he chooses to do, whether, you know, he thinks to pull off or not, like he's very sort of, very purposeful for what he's trying to tell with his story. And so I do think that for this album, for because of the internet, I think um, I think Challenge is the same sort of way. And so the videos that he did and with the short that he did and even leaking, you know, the, well, not leaking, but putting out the script and with the album leak, you know, those are all very, very conscious choices of what he wants to do with his art. So we're 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 into the final selection, sir. The final stretch, yes. So yeah, man. A, a quick recap for my five through four. For those so, playing along at home. <laughs> for those playing along at home, so we have the skits being number five, particularly for the parents of uh, Kendrick Duckworth Lamar. Um, number four, the throwaway tracks, but in particular, Black Boy Fly. The Recipe and Poetic Justice. Um, number three, the third verse from Sing About Me. Um, how it basically should have showed you what careers, what, what career Kendrick is going to have for himself in the art he wants to make. Number two, the second best moment from Good Kid, Mad City was experiencing Good Kid, Mad City live. Well, the song Mad City, experiencing that live. And, you know, catching the Holy Ghost. And my number one choice for the best moment that Good Kid Mad City produced. Um, it's not very, uh, it's not very scientific. It's very easy. Right. <laughs> um, and I'm not even going to say the whole song, but, you know, I want you to imagine, close your eyes. I want you to imagine yourself, you know, listen to the album. But then I want you to put your shoes and to J-Rock's Chuck Taylor's. Imagine rock up in them projects where them niggas pick your pockets. Santa Claus don't miss them stockings. Liquor spilling, pistols popping, bacon soda, yola whipping. Ain't no turkey on Thanksgiving. My homeboy just domed a nigga. I just hope the Lord forgive him. Pots with cocaine residue. Every day I'm hustling. What else is a thug to do when you eat cheese from the government? Gotta put five for my daughter and them. Get the fuck up out my way, bitch. Got that drum and I got them bands just like a parade, bitch. Drop that work up in the bushes. Hope them boys don't see my stash if they do tell the truth this the last time you might see my ass from the gardens where the grass ain't cut them serpents lurking blood bitches selling pussy niggas selling drugs but it's all good broken promises still you're watching tell you what time it is take your jays and tell you to kick it where a falaka is in the streets with a heater under my dungarees dreams of me getting shaded under money 
the absolute best moment that we got from Good Kid, Mad City was J-Rock doing the moonwalk all over Money Trees. Like, Money Trees is a verse, is a song overall that is basically an interlude. And Kendrick, throughout the whole song, is sort of telling you, giving you, like, a short recap of, like, what's going on. And we get this very breezy, very airy um, instrumental. And then we get um, Anna Wise on the on the hook in the bridge. Like, you know, we're really getting set up to where what the story is. Right. And where we're where we're gonna go. But then all of a sudden we get this interjection of Watts. We get this interjection of this blood rap robbing ass nigga. Ooh. And for people who don't know J-Rock's history, J-Rock was supposed to be the first one up from Top Dog mm-hmm. to like be the artist that they were going to push first. But it just so happens, Kendrick, Kendrick's music elevated and pushed himself beyond J-Rock's. But at the same time, at the same time J-Rock has always been a formal rapper in TDE and just the West Coast in general. And so... For him to tap dance all over this third verse, and for my money, it's my favorite verse of the album. Like, I I absolutely love um, J Rock all over the song, and you know, I think even if you take, if you even if you never heard Money Trees, like, even if they just had it as an interlude of or like the first two sort of Kendrick verses. And then the bridge, and then we just go straight to poetic justice. Okay, like you can, you can, you can, you can make it. You can make an argument for having that, but like for J Rock to be so gutter and so thugged out in this verse, it's bringing you back to like reality of like we can be airy, we can you know talk about Shireen and like getting the hose or whatever and trying to fuck on something later tonight. Like we can have that, but at the same time, like. No, this shit is real out here. Like, oh, yeah. like, like this shit is it's it's dangerous out here. Like, you can get your shit clapped at a moment's notice. Not even a moment's notice. Like, like them serpents lurking blood. Like, <laughs> like, like, come on, Ain't like, no joke. You know what I'm saying? Still, your watch and tell you what time it is. Like, <laughs> take your jays and tell you to kick it where a full locker is. <laughs> like, like, come on. Like, no. Like, you can't show off sort of more than that. And so, J Rock said he wrote his verse like three times before he even laid it. He didn't think it was going to make the album. I mean, he, he perfected it. Like, there's not a single portion of his verse I would have changed or thought was weak. Like, no. Like he absolutely, you know, murdered that person. So the best for my money, the best moment of Good Kid Mass City, beyond just looking at the individual songs, I think is J Rock's verse on Money Trees. Yeah. Um it's hard to argue that point. Um like, like I said, I think one of the first things I said after I re-listened to Good Kid at your recommendation, and you asked me what my favorite song was. I believe my response was Money Trees was my favorite song. Um, I, I've gone back and forth over time about my favorite song and different moments and stuff, but Money Trees is just so damn good. So damn good, 100%. <sighs> so that leaves it to me. It's yeah, on me. Before, before you go, I, yeah, I, 
when I wrote my blog post and on Tumblr, I definitely put that as my favorite song of 2012. Um, in 2014, I I tweeted money in 2014. Um, money trees may be the best song of the last couple of years. Like that song has aged like wine. Like that song just gets better with each listen. And so yeah, so yeah, man. There's yeah, there's like nothing wrong with um. There's nothing wrong with money trees at all. Um, and I think I asked you, well, I think one of the early responses you had, well, I think it was a little bit afterwards, but I know you were at one point really big in the bitch don't kill my vibe. Yeah, it was. Another, that was my first which, response. Yeah. Yeah. And like that was, it's so wild that like he had, that was a hit song on that album, but he had so other like big records that like, it's really to forget how Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe was a big song. But he he elevated himself beyond that. And so it's I was telling you privately, but it's really amazing that Good Kid Mad City set this benchmark of a great fucking rap album and Kendrick has lived up to that hype. Like he like this like this shit was not a fluke. Like it wasn't like just a couple of songs here and there that you fuck with like this is just an album that is a classic. It was a classic when it dropped, and it really showed that his career was going to be one for the ages. It definitely did. Like it, Good Kid has an Illmatic like, like impact. Except the only difference is Kendrick hasn't laid a brick since Good Kid. And Nas laid a couple bricks after Illmatic. So he laid some sneakers, boy. Woo. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. He had some singles, but a couple albums, nah, it took him a minute. Yeah. It took him a minute. So my final thought from Because of the Internet, my number one thing, my number one moment is ultimately the character that Childish Gambino becomes, and that is the boy. Now, I've mentioned the boy before in this uh, discussion. The boy is a spoiled rich kid, never wants for nothing. He's in his early 20s, hasn't won for anything his whole life. Um, essentially the way it's supposed to be laid out is he's the same character that got off of the bus or never got off of the bus at the end of camp. If you ever listen to the whole album, like the very last song mentions never got off the bus. Well, the beginning of because of the internet with the screenplay, he does get off the bus and he, that's when he goes into this house and you know, um, he starts playing on the internet and stuff. And that's where our story starts. The beautiful thing about the boy is the boy allowed Childish Gambino and Donald Glover to exist one and the same within because of the internet. And that way it's very hard to tell without the screenplay to tell what is supposed to be in character as the boy, what is supposed to be Childish Gambino and what is supposed to be Donald Glover. Um, By doing that, he gave new life to all three personas, including the boy. And by giving new life to the boy, I say that, as you said, he was walking around with wearing that funny hat and stuff. He literally in any public uh, public uh, appearance he made, he was literally playing the character of the boy at all times with the short shorts and the white t-shirt and that that uh, hat, whatever you call it, the ear earmuff hat, um, yeah. ear flat mat, um, ear flat, <laughs> ear flat hats. Yeah, um, he he stayed in character, and he would people would, like I read a couple interviews with around this time, and he would say some he would say things, and you didn't know what was true like there was what in fact there might have been an interview before the because the internet rollout where he was saying stuff about his 
his parents and being raised as Jehovah Witness, which I now know to be true. But he was saying different things about his parents and then turn around and say a different thing about his parents in another interview. And then there's interviews with him on late night TV, like on Fallon before Fallon got tonight's show. I don't remember when Fallon got tonight's show, but he was on Fallon and he's literally sitting there with his legs crossed on the on the chair and just yeah. stoned out of his his head. You can tell he's high. Um, and he's just doing an interview. And then there's that infamous uh, Sway in the Morning appearance where he went on there and did an interview and then dropped that pound cake freestyle. And then everybody's like, oh, Childish Gambino can rap. And I was like, what the fuck you mean, Childish Gambino? He's always been able to rap. It's just y'all paying attention to him now because y'all want to know what this weird, what he's doing right now because he's that weird nigga that wrote the notes, you know? And when he created the persona of the boy, it was the final note that would allow him to go on to become, to create Atlanta and Awaken My Love and Redbone and then get the lead in Lion King and all the other things he's doing. It would allow him to still come back to Childish Gambino and do a song like This Is America or, a, well, This Is America dropped because of SNL. He got SNL to come on as Donald Glover and then he's like, well, if I'm hosting, I want to be musical guest too, Charles Gambino. Like, not that many people have done that, been able to host and do the musical um, through the music for SNL. And then he did it. He's like, well, this is the perfect opportunity to drop this song I've been working on. This is America. He drops it. Oh, and by the way, here's the video too that I've just had laying around. Like, that's some kind of Prince shit. Like, Prince is the kind of dude that would always have shit laying around that he's just like, oh, well, have this. Or I don't want y'all to have this. Gambino is kind of in that same vein for me, at least the way he he thinks about his career. And by creating the boy and be creating the screenplay and doing the short film and then ultimately recording because of the internet the way he did, he was able to transcend every conversation and every knock against who Childish Gambino was and then become a new Childish Gambino moving forward. So he was able to do that DJ drama tape and do the Stone Mountain mixtape and then do an EP, Kawa, where he's mostly singing and has some, and Jaden Smith is even featured on it a little bit. I think he just has some cameo stuff. And then from there, just kind of disappear. And then when he shows back up, he's making this 70s soul-influenced album called Awaken My Love that nobody was even ready for. Oh, and not to mention, he's young Lando. Uh, that, that's a big deal, too. So... It's a, I, I just find it to be the most important thing that he created this character. I doubt he ever revisits it because he doesn't seem to do that often other than with Atlanta, and that's only because he's contractually obligated to do it. Um, but if he ever does, I would I'd be interested to see where the character goes, unless the character's dead, like at the end of the screenplay. So there's my number one. I think it's interesting how we both sort of had our, like, the best moments of the album it telegraphed like where his career would go or each other's career would go right I think, I think that is the best of what music can really give you right like you can like college dropout like you can see like this is a this is a rapper who who has legs in the game who has interesting ideas and is going to have like an actual career for themselves but you know, you do have artists where they'll give you a good album, uh, they'll give you a good mixtape, 
but then that's it. Like there's yep. like they're they're not gonna be like very much below the surface. Like they're gonna give you they're gonna give you good moments, but there's not really much there to them beyond that. Or if there is, they just don't want to show it or don't know how to show it. But I do think that there's sort of, there's pockets of everything surrounding like these two albums where you know we really see who these young men are and we really see where they want to go with their actual career and so i think it's and going back to what i was talking earlier about poetic justice or how like that was a song that was like fucking everywhere it was in nightclubs it was a popular radio Mm -hmm. song but it's a song that kendrick and drake no longer do now in particular for kendrick I think it's interesting that he doesn't do that song anymore because, like, he's not an artist that chases the radio. Like, he's not an artist that's chasing nightclubs. Like, he's not an artist that's chasing the memeable moment. Like, he's just an artist that's really really trying to process pain and really trying to process, like, what it means to be young and Black and, and living in areas where being young and black is fucking dangerous yeah so 100 percent. so and that's not a knock on drake like that's not a knock on any artists who you know like yg or like you know there's not a that's not a knock on artists who just want to give you what their life is on a surface level because not every artist not even man like not even you know person it just really sort of equipped to really give you that part of their souls in that sort of way but i do think it's interesting that that and good is good and good and interesting that you know childish and kendrick they're both artists who can give you that sort of exposure mm-hmm. so so yeah i do think that these are really great albums um i think kendrick's album has stood the test of time but i do think that i think even i think it's a classic but i do think that it can even be a little bit forgotten because like I told you, like before when we were talking, like I hadn't listened to Good Kid, Mad City front to back in at least two years, at least right, right. may even been three. Like I'd listen to like you know individual Trump, individual songs, but you know, like just listen to the album like front to back. Like I haven't done it in a very long time, <laughs> and so like going back to the album, going back to the album now, like it's been really special experience you know really sort of reliving those old memories of what it was like to first listen to the song and then also you know experience you know kendrick live both times with the music and you know seeing where his career is gone and you know just that era of like you know 2012 was you know when i I was out of i first out of college like you know just sort of even seeing kendrick that year like in 2011 when i graduated and seeing like you know, Section 80 become a special record and, you know, seeing where his career's gone from there. And even seeing someone like Childish, like when Awaken My Love came out in 2016 and was that 15 or 16? It was 16, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so seeing where his career, you know, was around that time, but then now like he's, you know, he's an A-lister now. So, so yeah, I, mean, I do think that these both albums, like they really mean something to each of us. And so I do think, you know, reliving and going back and revisiting these classic albums, you know, I think, I think it's always a great thing. Yeah. Special shout out to uh, the handsome one for allowing us to come on and talk about these two, uh, two great albums. I don't, I don't, I honestly feel like Good Kid won the conversation, but I feel like I made some strong points. 
Because, like I said, I came from a different <laughs> perspective. I didn't say, listen to this, listen to this. Listen. And you didn't either, though. You you also came from it from a, a different perspective, too. And, that, and that's something I liked about the whole conversation. So we're at an hour 39. So sorry, Eric. We tried our best. <laughs> we tried he our said best, hour, man. hour and a half. So oh, oh, cool. So we, we should come in right, right on schedule then. Uh, so for Marcus Show and Mad Love Robinson, do you have any final thoughts you want to leave the people with? Um, if you still buy records, buy because of the internet and buy Good Kid, Mad City. Yeah, man. Um, get them on vinyl, actually. Fuck I, it. I get yourself a record player in 2019. Um, if you can still find them for the low, get them for the low. So for the low, obviously. We out here saving money in these streets. Oh yes, definitely. Um, anything else? That was it. Just buy the album, support the artist. Yeah, I mean, if you can go on a time machine and go back to 2012 and 2013 and watch Kendrick Live, do that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but but no, nah, man, like I think uh, I think revisiting both artists, even going back to listen, even go back and listen to Overly Dedicated and listen to Section 80 and listen mm-hmm. to Camp, you know, listen to Kawhi, like listen to these projects that were the stepping stones of these you know, these young artists' career. And, I mean, these are men who they're now in their mid-30s. Kendrick is, uh, I think Kendrick, Kendrick is only like a half a year younger than me. Um, I'm not, I'm pretty sure Donald Glover is probably my age. I think Childish is a year, I think Childish is a year or two older than me, actually. He, yeah. uh, actually, we're the same age. He's about to turn 36 in September. Oh, okay. All right. And so Kendrick is, That doesn't make me feel bad about myself. <laughs> I mean, it shouldn't. Like, I mean, no, like these are like I mean, these are people you grew up with. And so even even though they're the same age, like, you know, there's definitely nothing wrong with that at all. Like it's funny, like, I mean, LeBron James is like a half a year older than I am. Like it's sort of a weird thing about it in that sort of way, but there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but I do think, like I said before, like, I mean, go back to these artists. Uh, in their humble beginnings. And um, I was thinking earlier, even beyond just this pod about how, I mean, we probably should be getting something new from Kendrick soon. Um, Kendrick, you know, Kendrick is someone who does something like every couple of years. Now he hasn't, if you don't count Black Panther, I mean, we have to go back to Damn in 2015. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we're coming due for just a specific solo Kendrick album. Um, so yeah, I'm out. I'm waiting for that. And any new Childish Gambino, I'm waiting for that too. Yeah, because that's supposed to be the final Childish Gambino project whenever it drops. So and knowing him, he's just gonna probably drop it one day. So Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, he says that, but we may get a Donald Glover album two years from now. So who knows? Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with all that. Uh again, thank you to uh Handsome Bane for having us on. Uh, you can catch us on the regular over on another hyphen podcast group show, uh, hyphen nation, the world's greatest podcast. Um, go check us out. Um, and then also check out my man, Marcus at the M A R C dot R O B. Whoops. The M A R C R O B dot wordpress.com. Um, that is his blog. Mark Rob. He writes all kinds of dope shit over there. Make sure you're checking him out. Um, cause, uh, he, he's another planned, a person who makes sure that when he puts something in the paper and puts it out in the world, that it's something that's up to high standards. So make sure that you're following him and reading all his work. 
Yes, um, a sneak peek. Uh, sneak Uh-oh. peek. I may be writing something on Quentin Tarantino, everyone's favorite white director. So, oh, okay. <laughs> so I may be writing something on him. Um, I'm thinking about having it posted at least by, um, if not the very end of the week, at least by the very beginning of next week. So, so yeah, I I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but uh, definitely check it out. It, it's worth watching, whether you are a casual fan or a big fan of his it's worth watching even if you have like the super high pain of it or super like middling and pain of it. it's it's an interesting movie to sort of think about in tarantino's careers to think about so so another recommendation check out that movie okay all right guys we're going to get out of here um love trust and belief always wanted to do that so uh another uh bucket list item down and until what up though we're, we're, we should have said that earlier anyway until next episode thanks y'all this is the elevator music for the gateway to heaven i made it in a spaceship that take 87 chillin watching holograms and lucky number 11 you can kansas city shuffle just for fucking with my brethren from the ghetto to living life like george jetson but of course with more sex and more flexing i'm more or less obsessed with the prospect of killing time all together just- and comment this has been a hyphen podcast network production they're the bestest i'm getting paid at exposure